The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, presented by the SGP Patreon. Scores goes to perks, content, and contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the underdog pick them in college or the NFL and win up to 20 times your money in one game. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 in any NFL game. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast. Now, it is currently early Sunday morning, September 3rd. And I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the round of 16 in the U.S. Open on the men's side. Four matches taking place on Sunday, four matches taking place on Monday, and we'll preview all of them here on this episode. But I will admit that we are going to be a couple lines short. I don't have any lines on the Medvedev and Dimonauer match, and I have no lines on the Zverev-Sinner match. So once again, I'll preview those matches anyway, but I wanted to just make it clear that I don't have lines on it, so I will be guessing for those two matches. But either way, breakdown is going to be the same. Who I think is going to win, and we'll go from there. But before we get into any of the previews for the eight matches in the round of 16, do want to recap what happened in the last episode and some of the overall matches in the third round. Starting off with the lock and dog, overall decent, ended up winning the lock, and we lost the dog. For the lock, ended up winning with Stricker, on the money line against Bonzi. We had that at minus 130. Wasn't easy, but he did win in five sets. So nice one there for us. For the dog, though, ended up losing. We had Sinner to win in straight sets against Warenka at a small plus money price, and that did not get there. Sinner outplayed him for most of the match, but kind of underachieved there in the second set. Warenka took it, and then Sinner buried him from that point forward, so a bit unfortunate there. Sinner won in four. We needed him to win in three. But either way, picked up a split, and we'll look for a sweep here in the round of 16. But time to get into the actual pre- the actual recaps of some of the matches and some of the takeaways. Starting off with the uh, matches on Friday, you had Paul beating Fikina in four sets, where it was 6-1, 6-0 in the first two sets. Looked like Fikina was either injured or just disinterested. But then he woke up and the match got entertaining, but Paul won in four. Shelton beat Karatsev in four. Very nice showing by him, even at 147 mile per hour ace in the middle of that match, which is crazy to think about. Tiafo beat Manorino in four. That I did get right. I thought Manorino would take a set, but Tiafo would win in four, and he did. Hichikata beat Zhang. Zhang was exhausted after the back-to-back five-setters, and Hichikata got the job done in four. Stricker, I mentioned before, one and five. Fritz buried Mensik, one six one six two six zero. I thought he would, and he buried him. Uh, it is what it is. Nice run by the 17-year-old, but Fritz has been incredible so far in this event, and Mensik never stood a chance. Gojo ended up beating Vesely. Actually gave out a YouTube play on that one, but I mentioned it on the show. I liked Gojo minus one and a half sets. One in straight sets. Vesely off of back-to-back five sets had nothing left in the tank energy-wise, and Gojo buried him and won easily. And then the last match on Friday was the most entertaining one. You had the lone uh, late-night five-setter over the last couple of days, as you ended up having Djokovic go to five against Dejir. Lost the first two sets, then went into full god mode and won in five. 6-1, 6-1, 6-3 in the final three sets. Pretty misleading. I thought Dejir was very good for most of the match. The third set, he kind of punted, but the fourth set was a very misleading 6-1. Dejir was really 
playing good tennis. Djokovic just couldn't miss for about an hour straight. And then the third set was, the fifth set, I mean, was pretty similar where Djokovic got up an early break, could not miss a shot. Then it got interesting late, but Dejir did not have enough to get over the finish line, and you saw Djokovic win 6-3. So, once again, incredible comeback by Djokovic, phenomenal level of play. I don't know what Dejir could have done. He played the best match of his life, and he's nothing to show for it. So, pretty unfortunate there, but Djokovic, it's why I think he's the best of all time. 36 years old, doing that for the final three sets is unheard of, and Djokovic once again advanced into the round of 16. Now, moving into the actual Saturday matches, you had some matches that were kind of lackluster. Every match was either a straight-set win or a four-set win. You had no five-setters, and some of the matches were very lopsided. But to go through the matches in order, Draper beat Momo in four. Wasn't totally shocked. Draper, I think, is the better player. Momo was off the five-setter against Isner, and Draper won that one in four. Uh, you had Alcaraz losing a set to Evans, but he won in four. So once again, uh, never really in doubt, but a little bit of a wobble there in the third set. Arnaldi destroyed Nori, which I wasn't which I wasn't fully expecting, but definitely an impressive showing by the young Italian. You had Rublev losing a set to Rinderknich, but he did win in four, which is what I thought might happen in that match. But Rublev once again wins non-straight sets. Moving on, you had Sinner, the match I mentioned before, winning in four. Dimenauer buried Jari, won that one 6-1, 6-3, 6-2. Uh, Jari never stood a chance. Then you had what looked like it was going to be an epic between Zverev and Dimitrov. First two sets, 6-7, six, 7-6. Seven, seven, six. So you're looking at what could be a five-set marathon. And then Dimitrov completely ran out of gas, and Zverev buried him 6-1, six, 6-1 one, six, one in the final two sets. Dimitrov gave it a good run for two sets and then had, once again, another underwhelming Dimitrov finish in a Grand Slam and now we can enjoy some vacation time. So, yeah, not exactly the ending we wanted from how good the first two sets were, but it's very advanced. And then you had Medvedev winning the late match in straight sets. Bit of an adventure there in the third set, but got it done 6-2, 6-2, 7-6. So for the most part, not many upsets, if any. You might have had a couple of small ones, but really nothing worth talking about in terms of, I can't believe this happened not much. So I do think, once again, you're looking at what could be a pretty, I don't want to say underwhelming third round, but the favorites won basically every match. And that is always a bit concerning when you're looking for chaos in a bracket or in a tournament. But either way, time to get into the actual previews for the round of 16 matches. No real news for me. I didn't have much. I thought about trying to come up with something for Djokovic for that five-setter and how well he played, but I don't think I need to say it. I think we all know how good Djokovic is, so try me praising the greatest player of all time feels like a waste of time. He's the best to ever do it, and he showed it again in the final three sets there on Friday. But anyway... Time to get into the slate here. And for the first match of the round of 16, you have an American clash between Paul and Shelton. Might seem like a familiar matchup because it was the exact same matchup that we had in Australia in which Paul won in four sets. Competitive, but Paul ended up winning that one 7-6, 6-3, 7-5. I mean, sorry, 5-7, 6-4. So Paul looked sharper, but it was a pretty close match. Now, for the actual odds here, Paul is minus 285 on the money line. Shelton is plus 240. For the spread, Paul minus 4.5 is minus 102. Shelton plus 4.5 is minus 118. Over-under is at 39. Over is minus 111. Under is minus 109. If you want Paul to win in straight sets, you can get that at plus 200. Shelton winning straight sets is plus 800. Paul minus 1.5 sets is minus 140. 
And Shelton plus one and a half sets is plus 110. If you want over three and a half sets, you can get that at minus 175. Over four and a half sets is plus 240. So looking at this overall matchup, I think Shelton's pretty live here. Now, I'm not saying he's going to win. Paul looked very good in his matchup against Fakina, but Shelton has the serve, and I do think Shelton's been playing the best tennis he's played since Australia. I think it's an interesting match. Now, to go through the actual level of competition, so far in this event, Shelton has had an easier road because he beat Katchen in four, beat Team in a set in one game because Team ended up getting injured, and then beat Karatsev in four. Paul ended up beating Fakina, who was in good form, Ended up beating Safulin, came back from two sets down there, so not the greatest showing there, but still won, and beat Travaglia. I don't know how he lost a set to Travaglia, but the point is Paul's been a bit vulnerable, and he has been dropping some sets. I think the over's worth a look here. I think you're probably going to get four sets, maybe five. You can find 37.5 for the games at minus 130 that I really like. I think you're probably going to get one breaker, maybe a 7-5. But I do think you're looking at what should be a four or five set marathon. Each player has dropped a set regularly throughout this tournament. And I do think you're looking at what could be a very even battle. Now, Paul, I think, is the better player. But I do think Shelton has attributes which can give Paul problems, namely the serve, because Paul wants to rally and he's not the best server in his own right. But if Shelton's able to actually land the forehand without hitting too many unforced errors, if he's able to go forward towards the net and put rallies away early, he can pull off this upset. Is he going to once again? I think it's going to be very close. I'm leaning to Shelton plus the games, but I do think Paul will win. I think he's just too consistent, and he will win in four or five. So I'm going to lean to the over at 37.5 at minus 130, and I will lean to Shelton plus the four and a half games. I do like Paul over 20 and a half games on the team total at minus 120. I think he'll win, which is 18 games minimum right there, and then you also throw in a set he might lose competitively. That does get him over that number, so I will lean to Paul. Over 20.5 for the team total as well at minus 120. Now, moving on to the next match on the Sunday card, you have Hitchikata taking on Tiafo, which is one of the most lopsided money line prices you'll find. Tiafo is around minus 750. It's even bigger at some spots. Uh, the spread is seven. Uh, Tiafo minus seven is plus 105. Hitchikata plus seven is minus 125. Over under is at 34.5. The over is minus 107. The under is minus 113. If you want Tiafo in straight sets, that's available at a pretty good price of even money, while Hichikata to win a set is plus one is a minus 130. And if you want four sets or more, over three and a half sets is minus 110. Under three and a half sets is minus 120. Now, for this actual matchup, Hichikata has a good so far in this event, but I have to at least point out his schedule has been very favorable. You might be saying to yourself, what do you mean? Kuksovics is pretty good. Zhang's pretty good. That is true. However, you have to keep in mind the overall context behind Zhang and Fuksovic's playing against them because each of them were a five-set marathons the round prior and really did not have much left in the tank. Hijikata beat Kotov in four in the first round. Competitive, you had three separate 7-5 sets, which is kind of crazy. But then he beat Fuksovic 6-1, 6-2, 6-1 after Fuksovic beat Korda in the first round and had nothing left in the tank. Zhang was off of a five-set marathon in each of the first two rounds against Wolf and against Rude, and he also did not have much left in the tank, and Hijikata was able to beat him and wear him down. So I do think, once again, looking at his path, it looks difficult on paper, but I think that the overall spots he got, Zhang and Fuksovics, were quite favorable, which is why those wins might be a little bit overrated. As for Tiafo, ended up beating Manorino in four. 
Nice showing there. Manorino's a tricky player, and Tiafo came through, beat Offner in straight sets, and beat Tien in straight sets. Relative unknown in the first round, but still, I think Tiafo wins in straight sets. Now, Hichikata could maybe prove me wrong and look sharp for a set, but Tiafo's going to have massive home crowd advantage because of the Americans there loving him, and Tiafo's been very good for the entirety of this tournament. Once again, Manorino winning a set, no shame in that. It's a very weird player to prepare for, and Manorino is so unorthodox that he can take a set from anybody. But I think Tiafo's going to win in straight sets. Hichikata really doesn't possess any unique skill sets that can give Tiafo problems. I think he's better at basically everything. The question is, is Tiafo going to have a mental lapse at some point in a set? Maybe, but I think even money is worth it when you're looking at how much better Tiafo is as a player. And I do think that Hichikata's overall resume up to this point is a little bit overrated. So I'm going to go with Tiafo to win in straight sets. Maybe a breaker or 7-5 in there, but give me Tiafo to win in three. And moving on to the next match, you have a pretty fun one between Fritz and Stricker. And Fritz is a massive favorite here. Fritz is currently at around minus 800. Stricker the other way is around plus 575 for the spread. Fritz minus 6.5 is minus 122. Stricker plus 6.5 is plus 102. Over-under in games is 34. Over is minus 108. Under is minus 112. If you want to take straight sets... You can get Fritz to win in straight sets at minus 105, maybe even money if you shop around, and you can get Stricker to win a set at minus 125. Over three and a half sets is minus 105, under is minus 125. So looking at this actual matchup, you know I like Stricker a lot because I gave him out in the ATP Next Gen Finals last year. We took him to win his group, and he did. Uh, we also took him to uh, win against Bonzi in the uh, third round. We also took him once again to... I give Sissipas a run for his money in the second round, and he did as he ended up winning in five. But I do think when you're looking at this overall matchup, I think Fritz is going to win pretty comfortably because Fritz has been on the war path, and I don't know what's happening because this is the best tennis Fritz has played in a long time. He has not dropped more than two games in a single set. He's played nine sets in the U.S. Open. This is unheard of for Fritz. Beat Johnson. I know Johnson's washed 6-2, 6-1, 6-2. Beat Varias, not a hardcore guy, but Varias, once again, front of the podcast, 6-1, 6-2, 6-2. And beat Mensik, good server, 6-1, 6-2, 6-0. Fritz has been nuts, and Stricker's off back-to-back five setters. I think Stricker's going to lose comfortably here. I'm going to take Fritz to win in straight sets as well. I think that people are going to expect a very fun match, and I think it's going to be a dud. I hope it's entertaining, but I think Fritz, once again, based on current form and with Stricker being potentially exhausted, going five sets against Bonzi, don't get me wrong, is a good win. But Bonzi made Stricker very uncomfortable in a decent amount of that match. And I think Fritz has the big serve. He has the ability to rally in this tournament. And I think that, once again, you're looking at Stricker just being outmatched here. I'm going to go with uh, Fritz to win in straight sets. Probably 6-4, 6-4, 6-3, something like that. Stricker's going to be more competitive than the other guys in those three sets, but I don't see him getting over the finish line any of those individual sets. Give me Fritz to win in three. Moving on to the final match on the Sunday slate, you have Djokovic against Gojo, and Djokovic is a minus 6,600 favorite. Gojo is plus 2,000. Djokovic minus nine is the spread at plus 103. Uh, Plus nine for Gojo is minus 123. The over-under is at... 29, over is minus 104, under is a minus 116. If you want to take Djokovic in straight sets, you can get that at minus 350. Gojo to an A set is plus 260. Now, for the sake of this match, 
I'm obviously not picking Gojo to win the match. I think Djokovic is going to win. Having said that, do I think there's value on Gojo to win a set at plus 260? Sure. I, I think there's value on that. I think it's a crazy price. Djokovic might be tired after he is a five-setter against Dejir. I know that, once again, Djokovic has the ability to beat anybody handily, but Djokovic has had some moments in this event where he has looked a bit iffy. Dejir in the first two sets, which he lost. Zapata Marias, uh, the first set was a little bit interesting there at 6-4. And even the third set against Moore, which he ended up winning 6-3, was a little bit interesting. And I think that, once again, Gojo, who has not dropped a set since the first round of qualifying, has a very good serve. If the serve is on, I think he can win a set here. Is he going to? Probably not. But I think, once again, looking at the value, plus 260 feels pretty disrespectful for a guy that has not dropped a set in, once again, each of his last five matches here. I'm going to take Gojo to win a set. Can I see a world where Djokovic maybe drops the first set like he did in that finals run he had a couple of years ago before losing to Medvedev, where he would just drop the first set and then come back and win in four? I can see it, but I think that Gojo, once again, can take a set, and I think that his serve can, once again, give him some holds, which he might need, and wait for Djokovic's serve to maybe struggle. The first serve percentage hasn't been great for Djokovic in this event, and I think that Gojo can maybe get a break. But once again, plus 260 is really the only value play I see, unless you like the under, which I really don't. I don't see much value in anything else. Give me Gojo to win a set at plus 260. Now, moving on to the matches for Monday. A reminder, I don't have lines on two of these matches. But for the first match of the day, uh, they did not officially announce the schedule. So I'm going to read off the two matches that I have lines for. You have Alcaraz taking on Arnaldi. Alcaraz is a massive favorite, to no surprise, as he is around minus 5,000. And Arnaldi's around plus 1,600. The spread is 10.5. Alcaraz minus 10 and a half is minus 112. Arnaldi plus 12 and a half, uh, plus, uh, sorry, uh, Alcaraz plus 10 and a half is minus 112. Arnaldi plus 10 and a half is minus 108. Over-unders at 26 and a half at minus 110. And you're looking at the over three and a half sets at uh, currently a pretty cheap price at, um, oh yeah, over three and a half. The under is minus 325. The over is plus 250. A lot of insanely large lines for this match. And simply put, I think it's a little bit too much. I'm going to go with Arnaldi plus the games. I'm not taking 11 and a half or 10 and a half. That's a little bit too crazy for me. I know Arnaldi isn't the greatest server, but I'm looking at these lines that Alcaraz has resulted in for his first three rounds. And for the most part, has not really covered uh, against Kepfer, who got injured in the first game of the match. Still ended up winning four games. It was 6-4. It was 6-2, uh, 3-2. So Kepfer, I don't want to say was on the verge of covering, but he was performing decently for an injured player. Uh, Harris only ended up losing by nine, and Evans won a set. So I think when you're looking at the overall lines here, 10 and a half and 11 and a half just sound very high to me. Arnaldi's good. He won in straight sets against Nori last round. I'm not saying once again he's going to win, but 10.5 is a little bit wild. You're looking at, once again, Alcaraz winning 6-2, 6-3, 6-3, and still not covering the number? That's a little bit too much for me. Like, I understand that Alcaraz is much better, but the disrespect on this line is pretty massive. Give me Arnaldi plus the 10.5. That line just feels too high to me. I'll gamble on the young Italian to keep it respectable and probably losing in straight sets. Moving on to the next match, one of the most even matches, in my opinion, in the round of 16. 
you have Rublev taking on Draper, and Rublev is a favorite of minus 270. Draper is currently plus 230. You're looking at Rublev at minus 5, Draper plus 5, a little bit of juice, minus 119 on the plus 5. Over-under is at 37.5, and And if you want to take some set wagering, you can get Rublev minus 1.5 sets at minus 140. You can get Draper plus 1.5 sets at plus 110. Over three and a half sets is minus 160. Under three and a half sets is plus 130. Now, simply put, Rublev has been good in this tournament. Not great. He has been dropping some sets, and in the head-to-head, Rublev has done well for himself. They faced off two times in 2022, one time on clay in Madrid, and Rublev won that one in three. They faced off in Washington, D.C. in 2022, and Rublev did win that one 6-4, uh, 6-4, Now, Draper is off of a four-set win against Momo. Only said he's dropped this event, beat Albert, beat her catch in straight sets, and then ended up beating Momo in four. As for Rublev, he ended up beating a last-second replacement in the first round because Rusevori dropped, and then he ended up beating Monfi in four, and he beat Rinderknich in four. But a reminder before the event, Rublev was not playing good tennis. In Toronto, he lost in straight sets to McDonald, and he also lost to Rusevori in three in his first match there. So he's not been in good form. And I think that Rublev's quite vulnerable here. Now, I'm not saying he's going to lose outright, but I think Draper's pretty live. I think plus 230 is a good price with the dog. Draper can keep the ball in play, and I think that he's good enough to really give Rublev problems. I think Draper's very live to win this. Is he going to? Remains to be seen. But I think this price is too high. I think Rublev should be closer to minus 200. 270 seems a bit wild to me. So the value, I think, is on Draper. But I do like the over three and a half sets. Pretty safe wager there. But I do think, once again, you're looking at what should be a pretty even matchup. And I do think that you're going to see each player at moments in this match. Give me the over three and a half sets in my favorite play in this match. And I will lean to Draper. Do I want the plus one and a half sets or do I want the money line? You know what? We're going to take a spin here. Give me Draper on the money line at plus 230. I think that he, once again, has the goods to get the job done. And Rublev has been good, but not great. I think he's vulnerable to get upset in the spot. Now, moving on to the final two matches, which I have no betting lines on. You have Medvedev taking on Dimonauer. I'm assuming Medvedev will be a favorite, but I'm not sure how big of a favorite. According to this database I'm using, it says 250. I'm going to use it. I'm not sure how accurate it's going to be, but once again, I'm going to use that just for the sake of it because that's the only line I have available anywhere. But let me quickly see if I could find a better line, but Medvedev will be a favorite. That's obvious. However, dimonauer has been good against him. In fact, Dimonauer's won each of the last two meetings, and one of them was in the ATP. I was in uh, Paris last year, the Masters 1000 event, and Dimonauer won that 175 in the third. And they face off in Toronto. Dimonauer won 7675. Simply put, for this match, I'll have a ton of breaks, and I am going to lean to the underdog here. We've seen Medvedev have a couple of mental lapses, or I should say, issues with the crowd, and it does seem like Medvedev still has some distractions that get into his head pretty easily. I do have a line. I have 250, so that is correct. But Dimonauer, I see it plus 200 the other way. I think Dimonauer is pretty live. Plus four and a half is intriguing at minus 120. Uh, looking at the actual breaks of serve for this match, you have seven and a half as the total number of breaks. Medvedev to break five times is minus 150. Dimonauer to break four times is even money. I think once again, both guys can go over. I see a lot of breaks here. Dimonauer's given Medvedev some problems, but I see a lot of issues holding serve here on the slower U.S. Open courts. Give me the over and breaks, and I will link to Dimonauer on the money line. If you win back-to-back matchups on hard court and you're getting 2-1, to one, 
I'm gonna take it to I'm gonna take you a two to one. I just feel like once again that's a good price. So give me Dim an hour to pull off the upset there at around plus two hundred. Now time to get into the final match that I'm going to talk about for the round of 16. Probably the best match on the card. You have a matchup between Zverev and Sinner. Sinner's a favorite of minus 163. Uh, Zverev is plus 130 the other way. Uh, if you want to look for some lines here for the spread, minus two and a half games is for Sinner. Plus two and a half is for Zverev. Over-unders at 40 and a half. Minus 120 to the over and minus 120 to the under on bet 365. If you want to go for breaks, six and a half total breaks in the match. Uh, the over is minus 150. The under is plus 110. If you want to take each player to win a set and Zverev to win, that's available at plus 200. And Sinner to win with each player to win a set is plus 130. So once again, a couple of interesting options here. Uh, if you wanted to go for a competitive match in which either guy is going to win. For this matchup, though, I think it's pretty interesting that uh, Zverev is 3-1 and one in the head-to-head, -head, and yet even with that being the case, he's an underdog price. Now, two of those matches were on clay, but they split. Zverev ended up winning the last meeting in Monte Carlo in 2022, but Sinner beat Zverev in the French Open back in 2020. But they faced off two times on hard court, and Zverev won both, faced off in Germany in 2020, 17663, faced off in the US Open in 2021, and Zverev did win that one in three. Now, this was the round of 16 match we all expected to see with Zverev and Sinner, and the winner has the right to face off against Alcaraz. But I do think, once again, looking at this overall line, I do think it's a little bit large on Sinner. I think Zverev is pretty live to win this. And when you're looking at, once again, the price point, I see a very close match. Could go five sets, but I do think, once again, looking at that Zverev to win with each player winning a set market at plus 200, that is pretty appealing. Sinner, to, by the way, do that. I said it was plus 130. It was actually plus 137. I think Zverev is pretty alive here. Now, Sinner, we know, can easily beat anybody if the forehand's on. But I got to at least mention the overall level of competition that he has faced off in this event because it's been decent. He beat Hoffman in straight sets, beat Sonigo in straight sets, and beat Warenka in four. Warenka in four is fine, I guess, but you're looking at who Zvera's faced off against, and he has been a little bit vulnerable, but he's faced off against some good opponents, beat Vukic in straight sets, decent showing there, lost a set to Altmaier, kind of surprising, but one in four, and beat Dimitrov in four, once Dimitrov kind of ran out of gas there after the second set breaker. I think you're looking at what should be a very close match. Could go five. I'd lean to the over. I see it going four sets or five. So I do think with that being the case, you can take one of those joint prop bets where you take the player you think is going to win with each player to win a set, and you could turn Sinner from minus 163 to plus 137 or Zverev from plus 130 to plus 200. It is a nice way to get some extra meat on the bone, but I think for this value, I'm going to lean to the over. And I am going to lean to Zverev. I think that, once again, plus 200 is a pretty solid deal. And I think that this match could go either way. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual previews for the round of 16 matches. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before we do that, can I have a quick word from our sponsor. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, the good thing is the wait is over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 in any NFL game. DraftKings hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All, cu all customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. 
Check the app and see what you get. One DraftKings bet I'm tempted by right now in week one is the Commanders, minus seven against the Cardinals. The Cardinals, we know, are going to be a bottom feeder in the league, probably going to win two or three games all season long. The Commanders, though, some room for optimism because they ended up getting the enemy on the sidelines. They also have Sam Howell as their quarterback, who showed some promise in the preseason, but you have a solid crowd. And with the Cardinals having no quarterback talent whatsoever and a really bad overall roster, the Commanders should be able to take advantage of the weakest team in the league in or out to a nice double-digit win at home. But once again, you can bet $5 on the Commanders minus seven and get the $200 bonus bets deal that I was telling you about. But download the DraftKings app now and use code SGP to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just by betting $5. That's code SGP. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but buying tickets for sporting events in the past was very, very stressful. And I do think that it was really annoying to deal with for a long time until I found Game Time, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And they have great features on the app, including the images of seat views. Maybe in the past, you wanted to actually go to a game and you bought a ticket, and then you realize when you got there, there's an obstruction in your view, and you can't see a damn thing. Well, that's not going to happen with Game Time because they have the images of seat views feature, which means that you can click on a section and see the exact view you would get if you paid for the ticket, so you know to always avoid any obstructions in your line of view, which is definitely a nice little feature there that every platform should have. But looking at some other features that Game Time has, they also have the Game Time Guarantee, which means that they will give you the best price every time. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You actually make money by finding a cheaper ticket in a section uh, that's not on the Game Time app. So it's definitely a nice little bonus there. And once again, if you want to attend any sporting event, you should use the Game Time app. Snap the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code SGPN for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two and five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats. The dude you always do, which is watch football all Sunday long, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, but you can win real money. So watch alongside your favorite teams, make your picks, and even make some money on the side. Underdogs with, uh, with Underdogs mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the Sports Game Podcast Patreon. Make sure to check out the Sports Game Podcast Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest with a $1,000 first place prize, plus the weekly Patreon Pick'em. Patreon members also double their prize in the College Football Bankroll Challenge. The Patreon's a great way to support the network and fight back its corporate gambling. SportsGamePodcast.com slash Patreon. SportsGamePodcast.com slash Patreon. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the round of 16 matches in the U.S. Open. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to a matchup between Rublev and Draper, and I am going to go with a somewhat juicy play, but it should be juicier. Give me the over. Three and a half sets at minus 160. Simply put, I see each player having moments in this match. Draper's looked very good 
so far in this tournament. And I do think, once again, he has the game that can frustrate Rublev. Rublev is a very powerful player, but he also hits a lot of unforced errors at times. And Draper's very good at keeping the ball in play. Draper did lose a set to Momo, but he looked comfortable overall. Rublev has been good, but once again, not great. Has been dropping sets recently. Dropped a set to Rinderknecht. Dropped a set to Monfi. I just think that Rublev's going to have a lapse or two in this match where Draper can find an opening and win a set. But I do think 160 is a little bit low, actually, based on how these players have played. I think it's going to be a close match. Might go five. Maybe Draper can win it. But give me over three and a half sets at minus 160 as my lock. And for my dog, I thought about a couple of options. I thought about Tiafo in straight sets and some other picks. But I think I'm going to trust my instincts here. And I think I'm going to go with an alternative spread here. I'm going to go with Arnaldi plus nine and a half games at plus 130 on BetMGM. Now... Main reason why I'm going to take this, I think Alcaraz, once again, until you are actually covering these big numbers, I'm not going to assume you're going to cover these big numbers. Alcaraz with a nine and a half is Owen is Owen two so far in this tournament with this spread. Owen two because kept for retired mid-match. But the point is Alcaraz lost a set last round against Evans. You saw Arnaldi look really good against Nori. Now, I know Nori is a massive step down compared to Alcaraz, but the point is Arnaldi's a very good young player. And I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed for the moment. I think he's going to be ready to go. And I do think that once again, Alcaraz, who's looked good in the hardcourt season post-Wimbledon, but he's also dropped some sets and he's not exactly looked dominant per se in any real matches besides the kept for one. He got injured in the first game. So that's a little bit fluky there. Harris was a good showing, but the last set did go to a breaker and he only won by nine. So he did not cover there. And Evans, once again, he dropped the set. So you're looking at what I think can be a one-sided affair in favor of Alcaraz, but not so one-sided that he covers this insane number. But getting 9.5 with a very good young player at plus 130 against a guy that has not covered this one the entire tournament, I think it's a very good deal. I'm going to take it. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Rublev and Draper over three and a half sets at minus 160. And the dog is going to be on Arnaldi plus nine and a half games at plus 130 on BetMGM. That's going to wrap it up. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of other podcasts with the network, the MLB show, the NBA show, WNBA show. You get the point. I'll be back once again for the quarterfinals. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.